This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. Bringing back Greg Dickerson to talk about a concept we have mentioned three or four times over the last month, and that is modern monetary theory. How are you doing this morning, Greg? Doing good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. So we've gotten a couple of comments on our videos going, hey, what is that? Can we talk about it? Why is it important? Do I need to research it? So why don't you introduce the concept and we'll, we'll uh, riff on it a little bit. Yep. So everybody is talking about modern monetary theory and Warren Mosler is, is one of the founders of the concept in terms of bringing it you know, into the forefront of economic discussion and debate. And then there's Stephanie Kelton, who is another um, authority on modern monetary theory. So those are, there's a lot of different people in it, but you know, those two are kind of the biggest, most prolific people out there right now, kind of writing about it, talking about it, promoting it. Stephanie Kelton was actually um, Bernie Sanders advisor during mm. his campaign on economic uh, policy. And, you know, everybody said, you know, Bernie, how are you going to pay for all these programs? Modern monetary theory. Ah. So what modern monetary theory is, and we had discussed it and somebody asked about it, basically is essentially saying government is not like a household in terms of how it has to operate financially. It's not like a business. It doesn't have to ba have a balanced budget. It doesn't have to spend less than it brings in because government is not a user of currency, it's an issuer of currency. Mm. So that's the whole proponent behind modern monetary theory. It's the, it's the conversation that since government prints money, it can print as much as it wants to spend as much as it wants without limitation. Now, what Stephanie will say is, you know, obviously inflation is one of the, the check factors, but nobody, you know, she said that deficits are not a problem. So what a deficit is, it's the difference between what a government taxes out of the economy and what it spends into the economy. Um, and what she says and what modern monetary theory says is that a deficit is actually good for an economy because it's leaving money into an economy. So if a government spends $100, taxes out 90, $10 stays in the economy, it's good for the economy. The problem is how do they pay for the $10? So they have to go issue treasury notes and bonds, raise the money, borrow the money in order to uh, fund the deficit. There's a difference between the debt and the deficit. The deficit is the difference between what you take in in tax income and what you spend in government spending. Social Security, Medicare, healthcare, infrastructure, defense, all those things that the government spends on, um, it raises taxes to cover those expenses. The shortfall is called a deficit. When the government issues bonds and treasuries to pay for that deficit, that adds to the debt, the national debt. So those are two very different things. Modern monetary theory says, well, since the government <clears throat> is sovereign, you know, any government that prints its own currency can essentially print as much currency as it wants to spend as much as it wants and to fill that deficit gap. So then the questions become, well, why do we even need taxes? Um, you know, why, why do we need to even sell anything? Why can't we just print money and give it to everybody? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and those, those types of things. So that's essentially what modern monetary theory is. And, um, you know, there's, there's a big topic of discussion because we're essentially in that experiment right now. 
with what we've done from quantitative easing over the last 10 years, we've essentially sort of gone down the road mm -hmm. of modern monetary theory, except we haven't done it the way that they're saying. And what they're saying is print money for infrastructure. So go spend $5 trillion on infrastructure. When we had the pandemic hit and everybody lost their jobs, we could have printed money, started all these projects, put everybody back to work. And you and I talked about infrastructure in terms of you know spending and doing all that. And I said, that's not a great solution. And you know, one of the one of your people commented and said they've been in construction, you know, for 50 years, their family, and you know, um, you know, that that I didn't understand how construction works or infrastructure spending. What I was saying was it's not an overnight solution. So when the pandemic hit in March, you can't flip a switch, go spend five trillion dollars on infrastructure and put everybody back to work. Number one, who's gonna get the money and how much? There's gonna be a huge fight. Number two, where are you gonna get the labor? Number three, where are you gonna get the materials? You know, the supply chain's already constrained. I've been in the construction industry my entire life as an entrepreneur, builder, developer, and I understand all of the ancillary businesses and trades and all that that you know, rely on the economy. That's what built the economy why we were booming before 2008-9 was because of all the activity that was spurred through construction, big part of it, the housing market going through the boom. But you have all those issues, so it'll take years. If you yeah. passed a $5 trillion infrastructure spending package tomorrow to build bridges, roads, this, that, and the other, it'll be years before you can put a meaningful number of people to work, mm -hmm. assuming you have a meaningful number of, number of people that even wanna go into that kind of work, because they're not. Because you're talking about people that have to swing hammers, work outside, dig, you know, do all these different things, operate heavy equipment and machinery. They have to be trained. You know, you gotta find them, you gotta train them, you got, they gotta wanna be out there and you gotta be safe about it and you're in the middle of a pandemic. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, what I was saying was that's not an instant today solution in For terms sure. of, how you can put people back to work. So that's one of the things they say, spend on infrastructure. The other is um, uh, a universal base income. Mm. So they're saying there's a program so that when somebody gets laid off from the private sector, they can opt into a system where the government will hire them and pay them, you know, until there comes a point when they can, you know, opt out of the system and, you know, go back and get another job. So when jobs are on the decline, take the Great Depression when everybody's out of work. If the government would have just had, you know, printed money and just put everybody on the payroll and gave them something to do until the economy came back, you know, then we wouldn't have had a Great Depression. You wouldn't have had the problems we had. You know, same thing with what I was talking about. You shut all these businesses down. If you would have just funded the business, you could have kept everybody working. And, you know, we wouldn't have had the issues we're having now in the economy and things could have ticked along. So the question is, you know, with modern monetary theory and, you know, the issues I have with it is how sustainable is that? Yeah. Might be a good short-term solution, but long-term it's not sustainable because when the government issues debt, that means they got to pay it back. So if I sell you a treasury note, you know, I'm paying you interest on that note. You bought that note for me. The question is how much are you going to continue to buy? If you know, all I'm doing is just print. I got a little print machine in the back. I sold you a thousand dollar note and I'm paying you a hundred dollars a month on that note or whatever it is. And I'm just in the back printing to pay you your interest. And then when it comes due, I go print more and pay you back what you gave me. Mm -hmm. So how sustainable is that? So if I put all that money in your hands and your China or your Russia or your whoever is buying our debt, and I'm just putting all this money in your hands and I'm continuing to pay you, you know, you know, I'm going to pay you because I can print money. So you have confidence that you're going to get your return but then what do you do with that money, right? Yeah. So do you go in and buy goods and services from our country, flood your country? So 
you're going to create hyperinflation at a global scale when you're constantly pumping money into the economy. And even from the United States, if we had a program where you're just putting money into the pockets of everybody in this country, you know, through the printing of more money in these government programs. So if you go out and you spend all this money on infrastructure, that's going to drive prices up because now you got all this money going out, all these government contractors, all these jobs, you're going to be bidding labor up and you're going to be bidding prices up and you're going to have hyperinflation because everybody's making money. So how do you unwind that? Yeah. What are the consequences of unwinding it? So that's kind of the monetary, uh, modern monetary theory debate. Yeah. When I think of the MMT, I've had, I don't know if I want to call it problems with it or challenges with it. Again, all right. My, my background is I actually have an econ degree and MBA, right? So I've been studying investing in money for a long time. And the two problems I had, one is inflation, right? I just don't know how you, you don't suffer inflation eventually. Right. And inflation lurks out there as the boogeyman. And, you know, eventually if you, if you, you, the U S and then other countries follow our path, goods and services are going to get more expensive. It just has to, I don't know how it doesn't happen. And then the real problem I have is once the boogeyman's out of the closet is it's not the deficit spending or the deficit doesn't bother me as long as we're servicing the debt. Once the boogeyman comes out, interest rates have to rise. And then suddenly we are not servicing the debt. Once we, once servicing the debt means I got to issue more debt to service the debt, game over. It's, 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 it well, blows up. That's already what's happening. So then that's monitored monetary theory. So the theory is, well, if we have to issue more debt and in order to service the debt, we create more money to pay for it because you can't, you can only tax so much out of the economy, yeah. you know, before you just shut that down completely. Um, you know, that's kind of the theory. And that's what I'm saying is that you'll reach that point of diminishing returns to where, you know, um, if you throw enough money into the economy and everybody's got so much money, they just start spending it. And, you know, you get hyperinflation. If you're issuing debt to investors and that is growing, 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 that has to devalue and deflate the dollar because now they have more of the dollar to spend and what are they mm-hmm. going to spend it on? So that just drives prices up all across the board, yeah. AKA the stock market, you know, gold, all of these, you know, alternative investment classes, real estate, cap rates are at all time lows, interest rates are at all time lows. So we're already seeing hyperinflation at the asset level. We are seeing inflationary results of MMT at the asset level right now, not at the retail consumer level, but if we keep going, eventually it trickles down to the consumer and that's where you get uh, hyperinflation at the consumer level. Yeah, this, this, this is very, th- this, is what, this is what keeps me up at night when I think about our economy is the boogeyman of inflation because we are making, we are making and frankly have to make some pretty significant stimulus, life support investments, whatever you want to call them. And I don't know if you saw this, but right before we started our interview, Morgan Stanley came out and said, you know what? Time to go all in on emerging market currencies. I'm like, oh my God, not emerging market stocks, emerging market currencies. And what is that? Well, that's a bet against the dollar because they know that Mm -hmm. we are going to spend like drunken sailors here very shortly. Yeah, we have to, you know, you have no choice. And who doesn't matter who's in office, there's going to be spending. The question is who's going to get it, how much, and you know, how soon. And if you have a blue wave, what we talked about was that's where you start talking about real modern monetary theory, free healthcare, free education, all the way up to the graduate level, 
uh, infrastructure, which is needed, you know, the, you know, and I think there's ways to do these things. And I think these are all good things. We should have healthcare for everybody. You should have education. You know, we do need to fix the infrastructure and those are good, you know, programs to put money behind. You need national defense. You need all these things, but man, if you're just printing money to do it, that is literally at that point, now you're throwing money into the hands of the consumer because who are the people doing the work? We are. And who gets the money? We do because jobs are created wages go up, all those things go up, stuff gets more expensive. Then the question is, well, if there's more money being put into circulation and prices are rising, how's that bad? Because mm -hmm. you have more money to pay more money. So, you know, then you end up with, you know, Venezuela and you end up with, yeah. you know, what Japan went through and you end up with all these, all these other things. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting debate and conversation. And when you start thinking exponentially of what you just said, it becomes, it's like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I, it's very, <laughs> you know, it's basically what it is. Yeah, these, these are things that really concern me. Again, we'll know very shortly with the election. Hopefully we know on the third, if not the fourth, what we have looking forward for the next two to four years. And um, yeah, uh, inflation is a boogeyman. It's been kept under wraps for decades, but it's he, he or she is lurking. And uh, if we keep going down this MMT on steroids, oh, he, he, he's going to come out. He's going to he's going to get us. Yeah, you can't you can't just do it forever without consequence of inflation. It just doesn't work that way. And the the argument is, well, it's other countries holding the debt. So how does that reach this country? Well, because they're, you know, buying goods and service from us yeah. and the prices will go up because they have more money to spend on it. And again, right now, where are you seeing it? In the markets, assets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. This has been a lot of fun. I always appreciate your time. Where can people find you? Because you have a great YouTube channel. Yep. GregDickerson.com um, is my website. And then, you know, Greg Dickerson on YouTube, you'll, you'll see me there and all our interviews are on there as well. Very cool, man. Well, thank you very much for your time. You have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too, Michael. Thank you.